Hi, and welcome to the NDRC podcast, where we speak with entrepreneurs and investors from right across the startup ecosystem. In this episode, we hear from Wendy Slattery and Tracy Levy, sisters and founders of The Beauty Buddy. The Beauty Buddy is a data analytics tool for beauty brands that allows consumers to use their phone to scan products in-store and find out if they'd be a good purchase for them. Beauty Buddy provides information such as ingredients, tutorials, ratings, and relevant reviews. Now we're a software as a service, yeah, or we're actually data as a service now. So we go back to the start of it was with the, the yarn of you know, trying to find a, a, Just a, a mascara s- brush or whatever, whatever the, the yarn is. Yeah. brush, yeah. yeah. And basically, yeah, it was, and it was just, there's like, there was so many of them, there's like about a hundred of them on the wall in the retail stores you go into, and when we asked the sales assistant, they're like paintbrushes, right? So you don't want one the hair is going to come off the wall and stick to the face, like on the wall. And you don't want one that's going to suck in all your expensive paint and disappear. It's the same with makeup brushes, right? And she just said, I only work here the weekends. That was great. Yeah. So then she, um, then we went online, actually, and had the brush. And it was just e-commerce sites selling us a brush that we had in our hand. And all we wanted to know if somebody thought it was any good or worth paying I think it was like 30 28 euros but that like, were the other ideas between yeah. the what were the other kind of spaces you were looking at even we were looking we looked at um, we had some similar like, similar about scanning things and have, getting a result okay. um, or you know how do we you know we we, we were running at, competitions we like a marketing it. thing we looked at in mm. the FMCG market we were looking at like you could run competitions that like a brand could go, you know, there's a competition in store, you to find five of our products, scan the barcodes, which would give them a bit of information about their products to enter the competition. So it kind of turned a shopping into a treasure hunt for if you had younger children, which you could always still win prizes and stuff like that. But the FMCG market, um, the products world was is so vast in a shop it would be too hard for people to kind of find so we looked at scanning like we even looked at like scanning which i still love the idea of but there's not enough the shops around is the lps you know because i love buying lps but sometimes i don't know the band but i love the cover and i'm like i wonder what they sound like so you could scan the barcode and place a little bit of the soundtrack for you before you buy it right pretty good so but there's not a big enough market there, right, for LPs in the world walking into the a store. That would have worked <laughs> yeah. 20 years ago when yeah. the technology couldn't have done it. Yeah, yeah, that that, yeah, yeah, that would yeah, never yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> right? So we were on that kind of frame of mind. Yeah. So then we were like, what if you could scan a beauty product and it gives you ratings, the ratings from people, you know, like your trust. Was that a pretty quick turnaround from the idea? So yeah. quick, because we were like, I'd use that. Would you use that? Mm. And then we mentioned to other people and they'd use it. And so then we started, we set up focus groups pretty fast. Um, we didn't even tell people why they were at the focus group. We just asked them how they buy beauty, how they decide on products, like what influences them. what. And, and a lot of it was at the minute, at that time, they were telling us they'd take WhatsApp pictures of products and they'd send it to their WhatsApp group friends and ask them if they ever used it. So they were trying to find ratings and reviews yeah. and they were buying from youtube videos and influencers but they yeah. actually trusted their peers yeah. more but there was nowhere to get their peers unless they whatsapp them so you know and it works with all age groups like we even went into transition years you know we went into schools and offered to show them how a focus group works 
Can I say that then? <laughs> and the schools let us in to talk to the transitioning students. And we did show them a focus group. And we also helped them then with like banking or whatever. Some of the transition year students with the business side. We went back and helped them with stuff. But we got lots of great you know, feedback. So this was, I suppose, it was a real trigger. Among all the late night meetings, trashing up business plans and searching high and low for business ideas, one or two questionable suggestions came and went. But the only one that stuck, although briefly, was the company's first logo. In our mind, it was panda eyes, right? So girls, when they don't, you know, take their makeup off properly, wake up next morning, they usually have black eyes. And we were thinking beauty and panda eyes and pandas are cute. And then... They're very popular in Asia and China, so it'll be good feel, all that kind of stuff. And we really like the panda, until one day, <laughs> when we were in the NDRC, and we were down in Portage in Galway, and we were talking to guys that were um, graphic designers, and we were looking at stuff on their computer going, wow, that's amazing. And they asked mm-hmm. us what we were doing, and we told them about our pitch, and we were going to be doing our pitch in a few weeks, and you know we were looking at different things, and they said they had a pitch deck from a brand, we can't name the brand, they had a pitch deck from a brand, but a big international global brand that they had done the pitch deck for. And he sent it on to us to see if we'd get some inspiration from it. So the next day, our inspiration was we need to kill the panda. And, <laughs> and get a new logo. Get a new logo what? because that pitch deck was like where we wanted to be. And looking at that beside ours, we were like kindergarten and they were like PhD yeah. students. Okay. Yeah, we, we need just, to up our game. It was, it was and the fields. I guess that's the the purpose of being in co-working spaces and being accelerators <laughs> yeah, and all that is to get all these. Yeah. So then areas. we went back to him and he said, uh, his name, yeah, is Mark. And he went back to him the next day and he goes, was that any use? I said, yeah, it was great. I said, we're just scrapping everything, our colors, our logo, everything. And he was like, oh my God. And our pitch was the following week down in Galway our final pitch and uh, so that night we were actually at a pitch event and I got a text off him going did you like any of them I said I have no idea what you're talking about and he goes oh I sent you an email it goes almost went through it was too big and then I opened the email and he had just sent us logos colours pictures images he said I had a few minutes I thought I'd put something together for you and it was actually spot on spot like it was just so spot on it was unbelievable because the year, like I know this is weird, but like the year, and um, it sounds quirky, but 2016 was a horrific year for us. Like I know we're talking about liquidation and stuff, but it was a horrific year for us, like mentally, physically, everything. It was terrible. And that same year, we had two members of our family members died that were really close to, to Robbie Three, but two of them, the two women that weren't expected to die, are cousin and her aunt, um, their second name was Swan. And actually, the logo looks like two swans back to back, even though it's two bees, right? So I was saying to him, it looks like swans. And he goes, oh, I can change that. And I was like, no, that feels like, it just felt like a really good omen for us. Given how the beauty buddy operates, it needs a strong user base to survive. However, getting the first batch of people to sign up is often a difficult thing for most companies. The beauty buddy isn't most companies, though. No, we, we sent an email to 100 um People, we, we had a Facebook 900 downloads, yeah. So, we total. sent an email to 100 people, and um, we got out of that, it kind of 77 yeah. downloads. And we thought that was bad because we had reached out to these people, we didn't know them, and they were in a Facebook group that we had started, and they were the most active. So, we had asked them would they download the app. So, 
and try it out for us. And they said yes. So we sent them the link and then 77 downloaded or whatever. And right. we were really disappointed that the other 23 didn't do it, even though we'd asked them. But when we talked to everyone in the NDRC, they were like, you got 77 people over 100 downloading app. We were like, yeah, I know, we're missing the 23. And they were like, no, that's huge. Like, But like, like that, we wouldn't have known what download figures were like to comparison for us. So... I suppose the key thing out of that was then it spiralled a bit for when I say spiral yeah. like for us doing nothing else the app was like in like you know we were calling it beta but it was alpha it was like very very early like I mean there was I think it, was it looked awful yeah. were we embarrassed absolutely but we needed to get it out there and like we ended up with a few hundred people then the next week and you know it kind of so then we take it down yeah so then we were like you know we we took down the links. We didn't want more people downloading it because we, you know, we knew we were learning from these people. We, we, the the initial users, we got them into a, a shared uh, a new Facebook group where we could get them to give us feedback on mm. on changes, and we wanted to be able to manage that a bit, um, and then so so we got to a stage where we were able to run more focus groups, and to make sure we we're on track with what we were planning because you can get kind of clued into what you think people want. Hmm. rather than actually listen to what they're saying well in fairness like the we thought it was horrific and terrible and we asked all the users what was the two you know two top things that were the worst things that they would change about it now we had a list on the wall about 50 different things that we would change and the two top things that came back actually weren't on our list and one of them was um the text box wasn't big enough for what they wanted to say and the other one was that they we didn't have predictive te- uh, spelling in it, so they had to correct their own spelling mistakes. So they were basically uh, malleable oh. towards whatever you designed, they just needed more space. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, you could put anything in front of them, <laughs> as long as they could put in the words they wanted to put yes, in. Yes, they, once they could tell, say what they wanted to say about their product, they didn't care that the image was crooked or sideways or small okay. or big or whatever. Counterintuitive for something that I would have thought for a for a, a, an interface for a beauty product you think it would need to be as polished as polished could be you mm. know the whole logic yeah. would be that it needs yeah to I suppose because we're not product. selling the beauty products we're giving people a platform to to give their opinion like we have some products there now that have like 36 reviews on the same product and they're all given a five star right and you're kind of going <laughs> you know it's amazing right to watch it happen right and we're not doing anything to do that but when they see somebody's review they're going well I have that as well and I think it's five star as well so I'll tell people it's five star as well you know that kind of way and I think when you're talking about getting people to download something or download I think it's easy to get someone to download something that actually is like a utility app that actually changes or like helps them buy something or make decisions on something that they buy you know it has to be to take space on a phone, it has to be something that gives value to the person that has it on their phone. So when you guys described to me at that time, I remember it sounded like Vivino. Yes. It was, was mm. what, what I thought it Why was. Why Yeah, it was mm. essentially that, reviewing things. Yeah. But at the time, I even asked you guys. I don't know if, if you guys were aware of Vivino at the time. I remember I said it on one of you guys. Didn't get, I think you might have even yeah. known what it was. Yeah. But I didn't understand how Vivino, the manufacturer of Vivino, make money. Therefore, oh, yeah. I didn't know how you guys make money. So yeah. explain what the business model would be. Yeah, so we are a data analytics company, Mm -hmm. so we will sell um, amalgamated data to brands so they get feedback on what people think of their products. So they get live data. At the moment, brands get static data and static reports, but 
we will be able to give them access to a dashboard where they can log in, pick one of their products, pick an age group. They can never see an individual's profile or anything like that. They can pick an age group and it will give them the sentiment analysis of what people are saying about that. They can go up all the age groups and see which age group actually prefer their product and then that helps them market and Facebook ads better to users. Tracy and Wendy are business people through and through, with the Beauty Buddies their second major venture as a duo. During an audience, while everyone parties, they were there to provide the balloons. Um, well, I suppose I was at the, before the party business, I suppose I was working in Aircom and Tracy was in Scotland working in National Australia group, group yeah. in the bank. So we both had really good jobs and company cars and the whole lot and um, so we both left our lovely cushy jobs and uh, opened up a party shop. <laughs> but actually there was a bit of logic behind it. We both wanted to, you know, have retail, I suppose, and... Um, shop and we did do the research we did on it was uh, looking originally back then uh, we looked at the top 100 franchises in the US and then we looked at the top 100 franchises in the UK because that's the way it worked back then right uh, it launched in America then came across to the UK and then to Ireland um, like for mo- Instagram like, like movies back in the day yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I suppose the top one was Party America in the US and we were looked into that and it was kind of a growing trend in Ireland so so you just look, look at any industry you just look at what, what is big yeah, in any capacity industry, yeah. okay right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we did that and uh, we opened up a two and a half thousand square foot shop and we did that for 11 years where? in Salvage Salvage yeah okay and we were like you know we did a lot of corporate clients we did mm. a lot of balloon decor for the likes of Intel and Hewlett Packard and so it was yeah, it was good. Turned into event decor and mm. stuff like that as well. So the, retail. The flow of interest that you read in the States was right? Yeah, it was. Well, the Americans, in fairness, they celebrate the opening of an envelope, which is great. They really celebrate uh, teamwork, success, and companies. So they were our market, even in Ireland. And okay. it was at the time all the big ones were coming in here. Okay, right. So you you were playing on the, the corporate introduction to the Cathy Tiger type yeah. thing. Okay. Yeah. And then we obviously, well, when we opened, actually, we just had hit the, we had about two years in, we just, two years after we opened, we went into recession. But people still celebrated. It wasn't like a parent that all of a sudden decided not to buy a kid a balloon for their birthday. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't an industry that got hit by it as much. How many people did you employ? Sixteen. The end. Yeah. yeah before we closed. We yeah. overtraded, really. Yes. We opened another shop that we thought would do really, really well, and it didn't. Where was that? So that was in Lucan. Uh, it was more footfall. We also took on a Disney, Disney license. license for the purchase supplies for Ireland. The wholesale um, license. That, yeah, that the doesn't sound like a same problem. Time. That sounds like a good thing. Uh, yeah. It is a problem for cash flow. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, so when you're sending mm. out a lot of stock that you've paid for and then the payments aren't coming back in. So. As fast. Yeah. And then you have to order again. So yeah, it was really, you know... Cash flow really, as they say, cash flow is king. Cash flow and we is were king. In discussions to sell the business as well at the time. Yeah. Anyway, so the, uh, that yeah, happened as well. So I think there was a lot of balls in the air. Okay. They and fell. It took yeah, it took six months. When the party business saw its profits go pop, Tracy and Wendy suffered, but they took a step back, regrouped, and looked at what they could do next. Yeah. Before that, we had just we had had a chat and we talked about what we didn't want. So we didn't want retail, we didn't want premises, we didn't want stock. Because you 
Because and you went through it? Well, because we went through it, and we learned a lot from it. And it's very um, hard to be global with that kind and of stuff. We, we couldn't expand in the same way. Expansion is much harder. You know, you'd have to open another retail store, another retail store. And they really have to be profitable in their own right. I mean, the, you know. So each opening is a, is a full risk yeah. each time. Yeah. Every time. And it's all, and you close at a certain time, and you open at a certain time, and so you're trading by certain numbers. And there's only a certain amount of money you can ever make in a retail store. And retail is turned into seven days a week. I mean, it's, mm. you know, there's very few stores that aren't open on it. But we had online, we had the e-commerce as well. Yeah. Like, so we did, we did go So we decided what we didn't want and what we did want. So we wanted something that we could grow globally. So digital service. Yeah. Yes. So we wanted to, we looked at, you know, the big companies in the world and we were like, they have the same 24 hours a day that we have. Why can't we be a global company, you know, in this world? So really we, we had... The ambition but we hadn't got the idea at that stage and then we decided to you know when you get the moments of oh god wish somebody had made something to do that or fix that or whatever we actually stopped every time we it takes a while to train your brain to go is there something that you could build for that or is something you could sell is there tech for that because there's an there... infinite number of problems infinite every day yeah every day you come across something even the teapots that leak you're like seriously somebody needs to come up with a teapot that doesn't spill like you know but we were like we're not doing products right so it had to be tech and I was actually you know looking for the for product and but you, you two wouldn't necessarily have a tech background, so there's an immediate limitation with my, that? Or? My background was computer programming, so oh, that's where okay. I started. Mm. But um, I'd come out of that, I'd gone into project management then. Where did, where did you in, do computer programming? In DIT, right, Mines. Okay. Uh, a long time ago. I don't so, think she even had computers then, I think it was just an old theory on books. Don't mind her. I had floppy disks and stuff. Yeah. Floppy disks and stuff. Is that, yeah. is that the level of technical, technological yeah, conversation? Of, well, I know it. Of paper, yeah. paper and pens. Um, there was a socket with a plug in it, you know, it was very yeah, technological. You know, there was no internet really. I first met Wendy and Tracy in 2017 when the company was in a nascent state. Since then, they've been meeting investors constantly, plotting their next paths, and persuading more and more people that the beauty buddy is the future. But how do I convince investors to part with the cash? The thing about startups and founders and stuff, it's the actual, the, the, the belief, and the belief is real for us. Like we 100% believed everything we were saying about what we could do with this company and where it could go. We 100% can see the end line. We can see, we can see where we're going, right? And we, you know, 100% believe we can get it there. So we're convincing you that you're actually, most, like investors, we talk to investors, right? They're going to invest in the people they think will push this over the line. The more investors you talk to, it's not even really about the idea. It's really first about the people. Do you think these guys, if you gave them a bad idea, like what they say, they could make it a good idea and make it work? Where if you have a bad founders with a great idea, it still might not work, right? So you're better off going for the founders that you believe would make something out of nothing. Right? And aren't going to quit. It's your money and they're going to give it everything they've got. And I think that's what investors look for first, other people. So when you're talking to them um, and you're giving them, I suppose, your past history and what you've done and how you got to your where you got to and your ideas and the plans of where you're going. And you have to believe that. And that comes across. And they believe that. Um, and I don't think, like... Even when we're talking about figures and different things, they're all projections, right? So yes, you can say they're bullshit because 
nobody actually knows what's going to happen in 12 months time right so they aren't but the the thing that's not bullshit is the fact that we actually believe we can do it do you know that kind of way and i think that is what investors want out of a, a founder their so belief in themselves like so what was the the, the way you phrase it the longest no you would have got from an investor like what's what's the reality behind that so the long you know, you're talking about having meetings like three or four meetings with an investor mm. and you know you've run out of things to tell them yeah you know, you're kind of going, look, are, you know, you really need to be going, are you in or out? But when you're early on in the process and it's your first time dealing with them, you know, there's that kind of level of us not knowing, mm. is this normal? You know? Yeah. It's hard so, to say, are you out? When yeah. But we, we did do that in the end. We did. We did that. We did that with a, um, a VC as well. Yeah. You know, because, you know, VCs are great and we hope to obviously bring a VC on board on our next round or, you know, so we understand their place in the investment. Um, but at the same time, a lot of the VCs, you know, are filling a funnel, right? And you're going into the top of that funnel because they want to make sure they don't miss out on anything. And then they want you to update them every month of how you're getting on your progress and stuff like that. But like, that's time consuming, right? For you. So one of the VCs that we met, like we literally went in and went, right, this is our third time meeting you. And I don't have time to be driving over here. It's half a day of my day to come over and update you because it wasn't even over phone. It was like meeting in person. And I was saying there has to be something in your head that you're thinking that will go in when this happens, right? There has to, you have to have some sort of or why you seeing us. And they, and they came back and they gave us a number of users they wanted. And I just went... That's grand. We'll be back when we have that. So, you know, take care. You know, so it's great opening the doors with all these guys. But it's nice to have a parameter set as well. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's yeah. a deadline. They have they have to have in their heads. It's like anyone. They have to have in their heads. Well, if they don't do that, we're not going to invest, right? Now a few years down the line, the Jewel's progress is clear. The Beauty Buddy has 10 people employed, 6 full-time in Minute, thousands of users, successful funding rounds, and a growing customer base. But how do they think it's going? I think it's gone slower, like and, and and yeah, we meet people and they say we're like go really fast, you know, compared to like even from the being on the NDRC and raising our closing our seed, and launching and everything else. People say we're going faster, but for us, it feels slower. I think it's because we know where we want to be. Yeah. So we have a plan and just getting there. It's kind of you know. Mm-hmm. You just have to go through the motions, you know? Yeah. With more money, then you hire more tech, you get there faster, right? But you don't have more money because yeah. you only raise a certain amount, you know? So you have to raise mm-hmm. again. So or you could going. be throwing money at, you know, influencers or, you know, marketing it. And, you know, so there's a balance between what we know we've, you yeah. know, we have. Um, and it's just going to take the time we've put in to get there. But, I mean, it's not that we're going slower than we expect. It's just, I think, yeah. it feels it. What is there? Is there uh, getting acquired by a major brand? Is there being a standalone mm-hmm. giant with some shareholders who managed to invest nearly on? Like, what is there? Uh, there for us is um, an exit. So it would be... Well, I, we don't see ourselves really being acquired by a brand because the whole premise of the app is to be independent from brands. Right, um, so the it wouldn't is, work in an individual, it sense, wouldn't yeah. work in an individual. So, our thing would be like uh, market research companies like Nielsen's, Kantar, you know, our data would add value to their data, 
you know. Do companies like them, with, are you aware that they're monitor, do they monitor outfits like yourselves early on or is there a, a stage when all of a sudden you okay now we're at a level where we can talk to these guys yeah they don't like we have met with some ex-employees like senior level employees who um, say they will either you know um, they will definitely be looking to buy you or buy your data until you're big enough and then they'll buy you do you know that kind of way? So they pay for your data to add in value to their data that they're selling. Is that like five years down the line, ten years down the line thing? Or is it what kind of time frame? We really don't know. It's like anything we don't know. Like, But at the, the rate we're going and just different feedback we've got, like I would say more in the five years okay. than on the longer term. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a general theme where mm-hmm. anyone who takes on any form of investment is that if you're taking on investment, the exit yeah. is to... Yeah, well yeah I think it has to be for the investors like you know yeah. the investors are only in to help you you know they get, to and they want around. to yeah. flip their money around and you know I suppose when we were talking to the investors we were saying our exit strategy would be five to seven years and the reason we were saying five to seven years is because we hadn't started revenue generating yet so we were kind of going five years from revenue generating properly you know what I mean mm. then um, but actually acquisitions of companies like ourselves and being bought into add value to research and different things like that is actually increasing mm. you know so um, and um, yeah so it's, it's exciting like the strong bond between the siblings is obvious when you meet Tracy and Wendy but much like myself there are many people who wouldn't dare going into business with a sister or brother let alone do it twice why does it work for them? well actually I think after going through what we went through together, um, I don't think anything could ever be as bad as that. And we realized how much we both have each other's back. So we have like, we we have different skill sets. We have completely different skill sets and completely different. But there was a moment, there was a moment when you guys weren't working together and then there was a moment where you guys were. So that, yeah. that, that changeover existed for you just like it would for anyone else. Yeah. That, like I wouldn't even contemplate that bit. Yeah, and you I, guys went in and set up. A, uh, maybe it is because we're we're very different. Maybe some siblings are similar, you know, and you, they you know they clash more. But I suppose we, you know, like things Tracy likes doing. I'm like, oh God, thank God she likes doing that because I don't want to do it. The financials, the coding, you know, all, the, all the background, everything. All the, all the hard work, you know, <laughs> Tracy's really great And at. you get to go to New York, is that it? I get to go to New York and stuff. Oh, but see, I, I, I was there. she was there as well. She went to New York as well. But um, yeah, no, we just like, I think life, you know, I think we, you know, after being like, as I said, you know, kind of felt like we were rock bottom as you can get with from a business world. Um, we know that we're never going back down there again because we know what you do to stop that from happening and that's in place and different things like that so yeah, I guess you only know the heights when you know the depths as well yeah so like even like you know this is a roller coaster like the lowest of this roller coaster is still a big high from what we were on before 